can the Chiefs all but end the AFC West race in week seven? We're going to talk about that tonight and more on the KC Laboratory. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. What's up, everybody? My name is Craig Stout. I am joined, as always, by my good pal, Maddie Lane. Matt, my friend, how are you tonight? You know, this is the this is the first time this year where I've been a bit disappointed this game preview comes this time. Um, I'm trying to watch my Dukes, my James Madison Dukes, overcome a, a tough rock fight with the Marshall Thundering Herd. Currently, the score is 3-2, to two, and that is happening during this. Like, I'm a little disappointed to be to be you know i'm excited to talk about this this matchup but i also want to watch my dukes at the same time it's like i i don't know how to handle this track yeah it, it's very difficult especially with everything that the uh dukes are going through right now with the ncaa and i mean well, that's a, that that's a that's a conversation for barely bowl eligible uh plug plug for maddie and tucker i got it can just move over yeah seriously right i, I got this so maddie this is the game preview for the Kansas City Chiefs against the Los Angeles Chargers. But before we dive into that, we did have news today. And I think that it's worth just touching on very briefly up top because, you know, usually when it's just the two of us and we're doing a game preview, it's a lot more freeform, a lot less, a lot less structured. It's not just, you know, dropping Kent out, although sit helps. back and relax, guys, too. It's going to be about 60 minutes. So <laughs> just go ahead yeah, and get ready. It is. But. The moves that occur today, uh, the Chiefs make the McCole Hardman signing official, and doing so, they cut Montreal Washington, the Chiefs' best punt returner in recent history. Um, he, they went ahead and moved on from him, mostly because he was just a punt returner for this team. And then, potentially the biggest surprise here, they haven't decided uh, who's filling this spot yet, but Chiefs move on from sixth-round pick Keandre Coburn, a guy that we really loved and that we were really excited about when he got signed to the Chiefs. Still could end up back on the practice squad, but Maddie, what what is your what was your reaction when you saw that Keandre Coburn got cut? I mean, it's disappointing, right? Like it's disappointing because I, one, I'm biased. I got to sit down and talk to him face to face at the East West Shrine game in Las Vegas, which was phenomenal, and I had a really good time. He was fun to talk to great personality and we really liked his play down there and that kind of environment you do kind of form like opinions on guys that maybe don't translate directly one-on-one to the nfl it's so like as an outsider i openly admit that i have a bias but i was really happy that she's took him that being said when you watch him this preseason or in camp i mean he's clearly the most like athletic the most explosive defensive tackle they had so it's kind of surprising that they haven't wanted to get him on the field a little bit more often that they've been kind of okay keeping him inactive. But at the end of the day, it's just that he's been inactive, right? He hasn't been playing. He's a sixth round pick, a nose tackle that 32 teams passed on numerous times, all of them. And now there's no game tape really to put out there for another team to sign him. He's probably a very, very safe guy to stash away on a practice squad now, especially in the middle of the year. I doubt there's like a big, a big concern. Oh, Duke's big play. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> we're just gonna have that throughout the day uh yeah no that's kind of how i feel about keandre as well loved 
talking to him. Like it, seriously, he you lit up the damn room. Like it, it was it was awesome to sit there and listen to him. Had a really good time talking to him. So yeah, obvious obvious bias there. But when you're not getting run consistently with the first or the second team in preseason, and then you roll into the season, you go six weeks not being on the active game day roster, it's kind of difficult to get very upset about that. We're going to get into more of those conversations about maybe some of those mid-round picks. I know there's a lot of conversation going on about comp picks right now. I would like to stake my flag in the fact that I do not care about any picks that sacrificing the future after a comp fifth or later. Like, sixth, seventh, get rid of them. Don't, don't care. If you're trying to make your team better in season, I, I don't get that fight. But there's conversations to be had about some of the targets and some of the value and everything like that. We'll get to that in the offseason when we're in full draft mode and yeah. team building mode and stuff like that. See, and I just want to add real quick, I don't want to spend time on the comp pick stuff. I just want to say, like, you know, it's a, it's a conversation for the offseason because there has been, there's some stuff. There's The Chiefs are spending a fair amount of draft capital on the same positions over and over again to make up for bad decisions at those positions, right? Like it, it's been there. It's that's a that's a team building conversation. We'll wait till at least the bye week, if not the off season, to really get into that. I do want to ask though, you haven't got to talk about it. I did yesterday with BJ and Tucker. Your thoughts on McCall Hardman coming back? Just like you know, what is your quick version of like what? How do you feel about that move for the Chiefs? I uh, the, the I put in the KCSN Discord, and Maddie was overjoyed that I stated this. I think that McCall Hardman makes a bigger impact for this Chiefs team than Frank Clark does. Um, I love Frank. Frank is one of my favorite Chiefs of all time. Um, I've really enjoyed his time in Kansas City. I know that he's been saddled with all of this negative stigma around him regarding the trade and the money and his production. I love Frank. I want him on this team. I am excited for him to come back to this team. Reportedly had a physical today in Kansas City. We have no official news about Frank yet. We will see what comes of that. McCall Hardman, I don't feel the same way about. As a matter of fact, I get very frustrated with McCall Hardman at times and the way that he runs routes, the the way that he's out of sync with Patrick Mahomes and some of that stuff. So, when I say that McCall Hardman has a significantly bigger impact, I don't mean from a production standpoint. I went back and I started watching a lot of the on and off the field snaps for the Chiefs last year for McCall Hardman. And you can look no further than the Titans game. His last game, you know, essentially healthy for this team. He had a big game. Um, the Titans played completely different with their safeties when McCole Hardman was on the field and when he was off the field. And I like to reference that last year because that was just Juju Smith-Schuster and basically this entire receiving core. Like, it's a lot of the same guys, you know, plus Rasheed Rice. But it was a lot of the same guys. And I'm watching these safeties when McCole Hardman's not on the field. You know, they're, they're playing deep, playing some too high, looking down at the releases for the receivers. If there's a vertical release on the outside, if it's NBS, if it's Justin Watson, if it's Kadarius Tony, if it's Guy Moore, if it's any of them, they had the opportunity to read. They would sit there, may not be a full flat-footed read, but it's a slow pedal out before finally, okay, I got to top this vertical route. I didn't see anything coming to me anywhere else. I'm going to go ahead and top this vertical route now, and then they turn and run. McCole Hardman, vertical release, 
every single time. And this is a smart football team, the, the Titans, and Mike Vrabel has them well-prepared. Every single time, McCall Hardman with a vertical release, the safeties aren't waiting. They're not reading anything out. They are on their horse immediately. They're getting out and trying to get make sure that they are over the top of anything. All of us Chiefs fans have sat and watched McCall Hardman for long enough to know that production was not there to necessarily justify that kind of attention. It doesn't matter. Defensive coordinators are terrified of getting beat over the top. Every coverage innovation over the last 40 years has been with the explicit purpose of stopping explosive plays. This is exactly what they try and do. McCall Hardman changed the way that safeties played. Even if he hadn't, even if he hadn't done that, then I flipped to this year. I'll make this I've already talked enough. Then I flipped to this year. Not only am I watching safeties flat foot read the Chiefs vertical releases, not only am I watching teams play middle of the field closed coverages, single high coverages, not in too high as often anymore. And against Patrick LeVon Mahomes of all people. McCole Hardman being on the field, whether or not he's catching the ball is going to force some defensive coordinators to go into too high. It's going to force them to have their safeties you know, quickly get over the top of stuff and going to force them to play differently. And if they don't, it can be just like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game because when defensive coordinators don't try and be proactive, it goes bad. Tyreek Hill in that first quarter. And Nicole's not Tyreek. Tyreek Hill in that first quarter against the Bucs. That was a coordinator that just went, oh, well, they haven't targeted deep. They haven't done much deep. We don't have to worry about it. And then they got torched. That's what can happen. Not the will, but can happen. And so defensive coordinators will play differently. So that's that's my soapbox about McCall there. Yeah. Sure. I, I'm going to have two follow-ups. I just want to add on real quick. Like, yeah, I, I'm in line with Craig here. The Chiefs right now don't have a single player on offense that any ab- – any opposing cornerback, not just cornerback ones, not just the best player on the opposite team. No, any cornerback is afraid that they can't flip their hips and run with. That's not to say that MVS has not been a very successful deep threat in the NFL. It's just come on the back of being opposite of a more impactful player. It's come on deep play action plays. It's come on throwbacks. It's come later in the down or the rep because he's a build-up speed kind of guy. Same thing with Justin Watson. Go look at those guys, right? Like they're not running away from people. They're not outrunning safeties who are trying to gain depth. They're beating a corner and it's kind of later in the play. They don't have that right now. Sky Moore certainly hasn't shown that. I'm not saying he can or can't. It's just he right. has that ability. Tony hasn't shown that ability despite being probably the most athletic wide receiver on the team before this. So just having that speed, I do think matters. They now have somebody that a safety has to respect, that a cornerback can't sit there playing off at seven yards and not move his feet and just let himself get run by because like he doesn't have, no corners really have the ability to flip their hips and run with 4-2-7. They don't do it. So I'm with you in that regard. Here's my follow-up. So do you think that McCall Harden was added to do that like he was his first two years in Kansas City? Or do you think he was added to replace Kadarius Tony as the jet sweep guy like he did his final two years in Kansas City? Not and I, to your point, you know, Hardman did help back coverages off last year, even yeah. which it's just he didn't get a lot of he didn't get a lot of targets in that role. And I do think they might have to target him a couple times downfield to get the desired effect. So do we think it's more of a eh, Tony's not working on this manufactured stuff as well as McColl did? Or do we think it's ah, this team's kind of slow? Let's get some speed back out there. 
I don't think it hurts to have McColl in the red zone. I mean, they they were very creative with him. They found ways to get him the ball and use that speed in space. Now, I don't think that McColl is going to have particularly great production, to be clear. I know that there's a lot of revisionist history going on about McColl right now. There, I, I don't think that he's going to get a ton of production. I don't know that this is going to be, okay, we have unlocked the post now, and so the vertical game is getting hot. No, I don't, I don't think it's that. I think they'll throw it to him a couple of times just to make the DBs respected a little bit more. I mean, they do it with Justin Watson and MBS when they're double covered. That is an attempt to get these safeties out of the box. You know, it's not a 10 to 12 yard split where they're just sitting with flat feet waiting for Travis Kelsey to come out of his break so they can break on it. They need more space underneath. It is very compacted and getting more compacted. The Jets showed they could do that. The Broncos mirrored it against the Chiefs. They really did. Now, the Broncos were also really dumb and left the middle of the field wide open for Travis Kelsey to basically just build a house and live it. But they also did a good job of not worrying about the vertical passing game. And again, guys, we're Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are on this team. And you've got teams that are just like, I feel comfortable playing single high. I feel comfortable with flat-footed reads. That shouldn't happen at all. Ever. It doesn't matter who the receivers. You could have a slow receiving core and still have teams have to respect that. They don't right now. So, yes, I do think that this is a direct response to the fact that they are seeing teams play them in ways that they've not played them before. And even if you just get some speed on the field for 25% of the snaps, that's 25% of the snaps that teams have to stay in too high, have to break early on vertical routes. I I, I think that it pays off in targets other people and not necessarily him. Nope. I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. I I think I fully agree there. My next this is my qu- other question, and like you know, I've skirted around this answer every time someone's asked me. So here it is: okay. Which wide receiver see, sees the biggest dip in snap counts with McCall Hardman coming back to the roster? Um, I think it's going to be a combination. Can I, I? I can't use Justin Watson, can I? <laughs> yeah, I did that. I did that on the radio today, so you're not allowed. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a combination of Sky and MVS. Like if I if I gotta be real here. MVS is vertical plane, like we've we've talked about a ton. His production is just not there. And we we've gone through the thing where it's like, oh he has roller coasters where he just dips for a little while. Now now we're we we haven't even begun to climb. So like I mean, we're still in line. Yeah, we are. We are still in line on that. So I think that there's gonna be some of those that he's gonna get from MVS. I think he's going to dip a little bit into Sky, just just a little bit more. You know, they're, they're different players. McColl's not going to run that same route tree, but he's closer to running that route tree than maybe anybody else on the roster, and that that's a little scary to think about. Like, we <laughs> need to think about McColl's route tree. So, no, I think I think it's a combination of those two guys. Yeah, so I began kind of charting some of Sky Moore's routes. Um, I started with this most recent week against the Denver Broncos. I'm not going to lie. If I overlay that over what I charted, now this was back after his rookie year for McCall Hardman, right? Mm-hmm. It, McCall Hardman ran a lot more vertical stuff, but the other things were kind of the same. A lot of outbreaking routes. They both run a lot of outbreaking routes. Not a lot of hitches. Not a lot of hard breaks. Everything has kind of been similar. So, you know, I don't, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Sky Moore. I think putting that speed over there and like think back to earlier in the season, we've seen some digs or some crossing routes from Sky Moore that just never got connected on. 
Now, all of a sudden, all those things are happening half a second to a full second quicker because McCole Hardman's a little faster. I don't think he's a great route runner, but like they're just happening a little faster. I don't know. It's just worth keeping an eye on. So I'm, I'm kind of leaning Sky more. We've made it 16 minutes in and we haven't talked yeah. about the Chargers. I, I have derailed Yeah, us. we're, we're going to get into the Chargers. I just thought it was funny that you mentioned that, that you know, he, he ran a bunch of out routes. You asked in the chat, was that yesterday? <laughs> hey, yeah. who who you rather throw the Duke oh, to? Sky let's the chat. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm gonna, you, let me ask yeah, the chat. Yeah. We'll open it up to the chat here. Who would you rather throw the throw a dig to? Sky Moore yeah. or McCole Hardman? And Kent naturally asked, what are the other routes that are available? It's MVS on a fade and Jet McKinnon uh, out in the flat. Yeah. Is that right, man? It's a third and eight. It's a third it's and eight. Third you're eight. trying to get a winning drive. You, you're calling up, you know, and then we can even just call it to make it very simple dagger. You're going to have a clear out from the slot, and then you're having McColl or Sky run a dig in behind it. You're looking for the dig is what you're looking yeah. for here, right? Yeah. Who do you want to throw that to? Do you want it to be Sky more? Do you want it to be McColl Hardman? Let, you know, let us know in the chat which well, guy. It, it's funny because, right the, now. Feel Maddie, what was, what was the first thing that I asked after that? Can it be an out instead? Can it be an out <laughs> route instead? Yeah, yeah. But see, and like, here's the thing though, like, Sometimes McCall ran them good. Sometimes he didn't. The, he didn't. Yeah, it was a mixed was, bag. But yeah. and what we're seeing from Sky Moore is he's never going to return to the ball. And like so that's yeah. what makes that one risky too. He ran a yeah. real nice out route versus the Broncos, but then he didn't return to the ball. And like thankfully he didn't have to because he had created enough separation. It's just at both of them I see v- different types of warning signs. So yeah, just who would you rather throw the ball to on that third date? McCall if yeah. he can, is consistent. Well, unfortunately, Kip, that's one of the questions, right? Like that's one of the <laughs> That's one of the questions. Okay, Lana McCole. We got, McCole, so, we, I, got I, we got some skies in the okay, chest. Scott. We got a okay. neither in there. I I can yeah. say that Patrick's going to tuck the ball and run. To be fair, I I took the Maddie answer for yeah, for this one. He didn't uh, scramble. Okay, let's get to the Chargers. I know I know the okay. we had all that news. We wanted to hit it off the top because it is pretty new. Byron Pringle was one of the Byron Pringle. Not, I mean, not, honestly, uh, talking about a dig route, that's probably yeah, the correct answer. Probably <laughs> the correct answer. All right, let's get into the Chargers here. And Maddie, you know what? Oh, we're starting with the defensive side of the ball here. Whoa, let's go. Curveball on me. We get, to, we get to do this. You wanted to talk a little bit about heavy personnel, buddy, and the Chargers' usage of it. We talked a little bit about heavy personnel and the Chiefs' base defense. Let's get into that a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, the Chargers' offense right now. So the Chargers on offense are second in the NFL in 12 personnel usage on early downs. Uh, it's on first downs right now. It does carry over through all the downs, but like they're second in the NFL on early downs. That's That pushes the, a team like the Chiefs into base far more often than it does. The Chiefs happily match 12 personnel with their base defense. I would say the Chargers probably present one of the teams you shouldn't do that with. Like That's my gut feel, but they've only played two games with Austin Eckler. And one of them was very good running the ball. One of them this past week versus Dallas, it wasn't quite as effective. But is Steve Spagnolo, a guy who really prefers to stop the run first to earn the right to go after the quarterback, is he really going to get out of base and risk a you know healthy Chargers rushing attack coming at him in the nickel when they're going heavy? Like I, I don't know how the Chiefs are going to play it. Actually, I do. They're going to match with base, right? They are. Gonna, yeah. How are they going to perform out of it? I think it's helpful that Mike Williams is hurt. I think that helps the Chiefs that you don't have to deal with Keenan Allen and Mike Ed or Mike Williams at the same time when they go into that heavy personnel. Gerald Everett, Dale, Dylan Parham, they're not they're not scaring you, right? Like you probably feel okay with your coverage unit there, but it is an area that teams have had success kind of attacking this Chiefs defense with. So it's inter- going to be interesting to see 
if the Chargers do it more frequently than they already do, and then how the Chiefs try to counter throughout the whole game. Against the Jets, the last team that we saw out really use heavy personnel to their advantage, and when I say really use heavy personnel to their advantage, they ran it 26% of the time. The Chiefs gave up 9.7 yards per rush, easily their worst of the year, absolutely their worst, because the the Jets were killing them in the passing game right off the bat. They didn't run very often. It didn't have to. They were averaging 11 yards a pass against the Chiefs' base defense out of that heavy personnel. That is scary to think about because Keenan Allen found a fountain of youth somewhere, and we need to track it down and get Travis Kelsey over there ASAP. He, those hamstrings was, only have so many more weeks. I'm sorry. Those hamstrings for, only have so many more weeks. Who, for Keenan? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? That oh, yeah. The case. He looks phenomenal right now. Yeah. Like, he looks like prime Keenan again. Josh Palmer's been pretty good for him as well. QJ, Quentin Johnson, we'll talk about him in a little bit here. But, yeah, they've got two good options. If they want to go to that heavy personnel, their tight ends are not pretty and that was where the Jets were kind of killing the Chiefs a little bit with their tight end usage. But on the outside there, you're going to see Steve Spagnuolo maybe be a little bit more comfortable, especially with Austin Eckler, especially if they go with 21 personnel and a fullback. Steve Spagnuolo wants to kick Justin Reed down into the box or Brian Cook down into the box. He wants an extra defender down there. 21 personnel, as we talk about with DJ and Mike all the time, is really hard for that second and third level to read out. You've got to be quick. You've got to be accurate because it creates that extra gap. It adds that little bit of extra there. So they've got to be downhill players in that regard. They're going to be downhill players. That's going to leave LeJarrius Sneed and Trent McDuffie one-on-one on the outside with Josh uh, Josh Palmer and Keenan Allen. Now, we all really think that those two players are playing really well right now they don't have some of the help that they sometimes get against really good receivers. I would not be shocked if Legereus Need follows Keenan Allen around and the Chargers get into this heavy personnel and they're able to take advantage of some space that Keenan Allen is creating here. I would not be shocked if Keenan Allen has a big game, even if they do bracket him, even if they do try and take him away. It's just been volume targets his way and he's been really good at it. And you can only do so much without completely ignoring Austin Eckler, who is by far the second <laughs> biggest threat on this yeah. Chargers team. So it really is a, a give and take that they've got to figure out, Matt. Well, and that's where I wanted to go to was the Eckler, but like, real quick with, with Keenan Allen, I, I wish the Chiefs would just slap Legereus Steed on Josh Palmer and just be like, hey, you got him one-on-one -on -one all game, shut him down, and like Palmer runs a relatively simple route tree. It's a lot of vertical route stuff. Like I think that's perfect for Legereus Sneed. I feel fine letting them live or die by Palmer versus Sneed. And then we'd get McDuffie on Allen, which might even be a better matchup skill set-wise, even though Allen's big, right? He's a bigger guy than you think, but you can now shame any help coverage can always be towards that side. You can always offer a little bit more help if you trust Sneed on Palmer one-on-one, -on -one. The Chiefs haven't really done that. They haven't done the old Bill Belichick, my best yeah. goes against your number two, and we just add help. But they do bracket a lot. It's like, we'll just see how it plays out. That would be the route I go. My bigger concern is Austin Eckler in the passing game. I mean, we've seen him absolutely destroy the Chiefs in the past. Yes. Now we're talking about you know them doing all of this stuff, getting the Chiefs in base, pulling an extra safety down into the box, and now all of a sudden 
you might get Eckler releasing out of these Chiefs linebackers. And like, while we love this linebacker room, I don't know if we feel great about any of them in man coverage. I don't know if we feel great about any of them besides maybe Drew Tranquil in coverage. So what do we think the Chiefs, are the Chiefs going to get, I don't want to say mix it up, but how limited do we think the Chiefs will be in their base linebacker rotation? Like, do we foresee a way that it's very limited to Bolton, Willie Gay for athleticism and Drew Tranquil because he's the best in coverage? Does this, did the Chargers kind of scheme Leo Chanel out of this game by just the fact that they have Austin Eckler? I mean, even, even Willie Gay, he's probably missed more tackles in his career against yeah. Austin Eckler than anybody else in the entire NFL. He's missed a ton of Austin Eckler tackle because he's a he's a really hard guy to bring down to the ground. Like he, he's very nimble, he's very shifty. I do think it, it, the the problem with eliminating Leo Chanel from your base defense is, hey, they're going to run between the tackles. Leo Chanel is one of the few guys that actually gets downhill. Uh, Willie Gay Jr. does it does it well as well. It's just not always in the right gap. Leo Chanel is in the right gap and he's blowing up a pulling blocker. He's blowing up the fullback. He's blowing up those. He's one of the most consistent guys that's taking on the blocker in the right gap. But Willie Gay Jr. is a force to be reckoned with when he's downhill. Don't get me wrong, just not always in the right spot. As we've talked about before, Nick Bolton prefers to slip blocks rather than stack blocks. And I I know as a Mike linebacker, we just kind of always assign, hey, you got to stack that block. You got to go in there and do that. It's not always the way that every Mike linebacker plays. Nick Bolton certainly doesn't play that way either. Drew Tranquil might be a little bit better stack and shed linebacker than Bolton there, but he's not a big dude either. So I, I do think that they're going to continue the rotation. Last week, Drew Tranquil did not get on the field until the second drive where he was out there with Leo Chanel and Nick Bolton in the base defense. The third drive, he was the Mike linebacker and took over for Nick Bolton and they had Willie Gay Jr. and Leo Chanel on the field with him. Then he kind of sprinkled in here and there, you know, got some reps in in the nickel with Nick Bolton. That was really fun to watch because guess what? Those two guys are really good linebackers and they they play well off of each other. I I just I think that they're still going to shift things around. I am curious if Kellen Moore and that Chargers offense is going to try and maximize plays based on the personnel that Steve Spagnuolo is putting out there. Because if Willie Gay Jr. and Drew Tranquil are on the field, maybe you run the ball a little bit more. Maybe yeah. you lean a little bit further into the run. Leo Chanel's on the field. Hey, guess what? We're going to call three passing plays out of our you know heavy personnel over and over and try and maximize that. Again, Leo's fine in coverage. It's just you know, Austin Eckler's just that that dude. So yeah. I, I'm I'm worried about that. Yeah. Yeah, and so okay, let's you know that we do. That's a big issue, right? And not an issue, but like that's something we're going to watch. We're watching this twelve personnel, and so like after that, I guess we started with you know a very Maddie and Craig thing to start with twelve personnel, heavy personnel, and how that impacts all the matchups. And we skipped right over Justin Herbert. You know the key cog, the motor of this Chargers uh, team. Kit is punching air right now. I'm kidding. He's not listening. Um, so (laughs) Justin Herbert. He's coming off of one of his worst games in the NFL. He he was throwing the ball terribly. He was very inaccurate, especially trying to push the ball downfield this past week versus the Dallas Cowboys. I'm interested to see if there's a little bit of a slump, if it was just an off night. Because like right now, man, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to be playing the Chiefs defense if my quarterback wasn't playing great, right? So coming off the the back of one of his worst games, I, I'm interested to see what Steve Spagnuolo kind of has cooked up to get after Justin Herbert. Um, the Blitz this year has been able to get after him a little bit. Now, Justin Herbert's very good. He is one of the best 
processing quarterbacks in the NFL. He sees it, he knows exactly what to do, and he does it immediately. He's great at that. What you've been able to get Herbert with, though, is if he doesn't see it directly, if you can kind of trick him a little bit, you show him some pressure, maybe it comes from somewhere else. Teams have had success disguising their coverages, disguising their blitzes, and not that he panics necessarily, but Justin Herbert is such a gamer that he is going to try to fight through anything that happens, and it's led to some pretty poor play against the blitz, against pressure this year, so you can't, you know, make the picture clear for him, but if you muddy it up, I think you can still get a little bit of pressure and get to, get to Herbert a little bit. Yeah, you definitely can, and we'll, we'll start kind of with the blitz, you know, before we cut to a break, and then we'll come back and talk about pressuring him a little bit more. Steve Spagnuolo is not the same kind of defensive coordinator where if he's forced into his base defense, he's not going to blitz or be something. <laughs> that, that man has a full package of blitzes that he is very willing to get into from base personnel. Most defensive coordinators do not. That is one of those that if you get the team into base, they don't feel comfortable dropping guys out because it's typically heavier personnel. You don't want to see... George Karloftis down the field in coverage. Oh, wait, it worked multiple times last game, and nobody nobody had comments about Oh, right. Sorry. I'm stealing the amateur hour bit here. Um, I, I do think he's going to blitz, and it's going to probably come off of you know these interior gaps, specifically targeting the right-hand side of the line. This is not a particularly good, basically from center out, with Corey Lindsley out, who Corey Lindsley's an excellent center, with him out, you've got Will Clapp, Jamari Sawyer, and Trey Pipkins. That is a scary... That is, if Patrick Mahomes was playing behind those three guys, I would be terrified for every defense that I had to play against. Steve Spagnuolo is going to bring pressure off the right side of the line. It's just going to happen, especially if the Chargers at any point go condensed there in 11 personnel. Guess what? Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie are coming. Like you, you could just almost automatically chalk it up that that fifth man, they, they're they're coming on the blitz there. So, well, so I, I think I, that's key too because Herbert's yeah. time to throw against the blitz is very low, right? It's very like low. two point four seconds or something. Like so, if you if you're gonna blitz him, it, you have to get pressure. It can't be something where it's necessarily a stunt. You can't have a linebacker looping around. You can't be having something that takes a second to set up or getting a linebacker that's having to run through a, a running back that stays in the pass protect to get the pressure. Like It's got to be a free runner and it's got to be somebody with some pace. And that's where I think a guy like McDuffie or Sneed coming in, like that. that's where you really got to get on Connor. it. Yeah. Yeah. Connor, yeah. Oh, yeah, McDuffie, I mean, McDuffie in particular, we talk a lot about him, man. The, the speed at which he's getting some pressures on guys... The, the speed he had hitting Kirk Cousins, who's also very good at getting the ball out quick under pressure at times, like he was getting on him in a hurry. Like I think those kind of DB blitzes are where you where they should be focusing their their pressures if they're going to blitz uh, blitz Herbert on this one. All right, we are going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about pressuring Justin Herbert some more, and then I guess we're going to talk about the Chiefs' offense if we have to and give you some game predictions. We will be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it? Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. I personally have been talking to somebody for a few years now, and it's amazing how much better you'll feel by learning more about yourself through it. 
If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash KCSN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash KCSN. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Maddie, back from the break here. Let's talk about pressuring him maybe traditionally with, with a four-man okay. rush. Um, I, I know that when I say traditionally with Spanish, you might have thought that we were going to talk about the Blitz again. But no, no, we're going to talk about the four-man rush here. They got some serious additions uh, that they're coming in this week. It, it would be enough with Charles Domenehue, honestly, against this offensive line that really struggles to pick up games on the right side. Zion Johnson and Rashawn Slater are awesome. Like, uh, they're fine. Leave them on the left side. Don't worry about them at all. Just let them, you know, occupy them with people. Like, I don't I don't really care. You can run some games up front here. I see Charles Aminahieu, uh Felix Anaduke Ozama has run a lot of games recently against Minnesota yep. and Denver. You know, it's limited snaps, but he really looked good as the looping guy on some of this stuff, got free runs and everything like that. Chris Jones, obviously, against that that line, that's going to be good. What's your confidence level about the four-man rush specifically coming off of the right side of the Chargers offense this week? It's, this is, I think it'll be pretty good, right? I, I trust the Chiefs' defensive front, especially with Charles Omenu coming back to be able to get some pressure, specifically on the right side. I actually think, Chris Jones in the first matchup last year with the Chargers against Zion Johnson. Zion Johnson kind of pitched a shutout against Chris Jones, yeah. and it was bad. Second matchup definitely went Chris Jones' way. It was one of those things that you think, and now he switched side. I think he moved away from, from Zion a little bit, but like he still beat him. I think Zion Johnson's a good matchup for Chris Jones. I don't think that they should necessarily throw him over there a ton, but I don't think he's the most agile guard, right? And I think Chris Jones, even when he was getting shut out, was beating him laterally. He just struggled to get fully around him. This is a long way to say is like Chris Jones is going to line up anywhere that's not over Rashawn Slater. And I feel pretty good about that, right? Like that's okay. Mike Dana, the Chargers killer, put him over there against Rashawn Slater and just yeah. let you know, let the best defensive end of all time playing the Chargers go head to head against their best offensive lineman. And then you just pick and choose your one on one matchups you want for Jones, Aminahue, Felix, George Karloff, this off the right side. 
I like the idea of the stunts in games. I think you got to be careful. Justin Herbert is very mobile. And when he gets pressure, he likes to extend plays. He likes to scramble and extend plays. If he sees that stunt coming and finds an escape lane during that time, during this stunt, because it's a lot harder to hold your gap integrity with a stunt or a twist, that that's where they get a lot of big plays. That's where he gets out on the move. The Chiefs have done a good job of using George specifically as kind of just a de facto spy during some of these stunts. He'll just kind of coast into the middle and then react with the quarterback. But it's just, I would be a little weary about trying to throw too many stunts against this Chargers team just because Herbert is really good at extending plays. That That's kind of my read on it. Yeah. I'd rather let the one-on-ones go to town, make make Pipkins, make Sawyer, make Will Clapp hold up. And then if you can't get pressure and you can't use the blitz because Jerson Herbert's beating up, then maybe we get back into some other stuff. I mean, we'll, we'll do a little mini player to watch for me here. Chris Jones specifically yeah. against Trey Pipkins. He has been a monster against way better offensive tackles this season. Yeah. What That swipe is killing everybody. Like It is amazing that this man, this 300-pound defensive tackle, kicking outside and just abusing tackles over and over and over. Like It, it really is next level what we are seeing from Chris Jones time and time again here. I expect a ton of that on passing downs because... The other part of that is that's where Chris wants to win. He wants to hit that swipe. He wants to turn the corner. He wants to do all of that. Chris has been good over the past two years at not getting out of his rush lane, but there is still a tendency sometimes when he sees that gap, he tries to hit it. And sometimes there can be a little bit of a, a spot for Justin Herbert to escape out of in the middle there. Put him on the outside. Put Charles Aminahue on the inside. Put, you know, uh, Turk Wharton, put Mike Dana, whoever on the inside there in the dime there. Just have Chris Jones tee off on the outside. I think that this Chiefs defense gets a lot of pressure. And if the Chiefs defense gets a lot of pressure, I don't know how close this game will actually be. I know that sounds very confident, but Justin Herbert turned into a complete pumpkin against the Dallas Cowboys defense. Dallas Cowboys have a really good pass rush. Michael Parsons is terrifying. Guess who else is terrifying? Chris Jones against Trey Pipkins. Like, he's he's absolutely terrifying. So, get some pressure, force mistakes. We know they're going to come. The Chargers are going to charge her. But there is an opportunity to maybe put it on Justin Charger or Justin Herbert early enough in the game to where he starts kind of reverting into rigorous-ish type player that, that turtles. And I think that's the trick, right? You get a little bit of pressure. Herbert wants to extend plays. He wants to chuck it downfield. He wants to kind of, he wants to get a put, push the ball down the field, right? So like, if you get that pressure early, I don't want to say you necessarily rattle Justin Herbert, but you put pressure on him to make a lot of big plays and stuff like that, right? And so Chris Jones, I mean, I, again, I'm going to do another miniature, a miniature player to watch. We'll get to real players to watch. This is a miniature one. Charles O'Minihue. I think he's coming back to play. And like, nobody has that tape yet. I went back, I... I did like a film room the, about the preseason over Charles O'Minihue and it's what he was doing that I liked. It's it's out there and available for you guys that are subscribers to KCSN Substack. Go to the Discord, scroll up in the film room channel, you will find it. Um, I really like what I see from Charles O'Minihue. Like I really think he might have like a... It, I don't even know it can be a breakout year if you're suspended for six games, right? But he's buried in, with the 49ers defense last year. He's at best the seventh best player on that team just because they have so many guys right they just had so many good players on that defense and he was a rotational player 
I think he's going to, I mean, show up for this Chiefs team. And if he just replicates that play, not got better, not works better in this defense, he just replicates that. A lot of big play. I think he's going to have some good matchups, whether on the interior or outside versus Pipkin, Sawyer, Clap, those same guys. He can have a ton of success. I mean, you mentioned, you know, kind of like what the Cowboys are able to do. Osa Adigazua had a dominant game as an interior oh, pass rusher. Yeah. And like Chris Jones could do all those same things, but better. But Charles O'Minihue's quickness on the interior, like that's going to be a problem for for Clapp and um, uh, not Pipkins, but Jamari Sawyer in particular. Those guys don't handle that kind of speed particularly well. So I think he could have a really good kind of coming out party at first game of the year here. Him and Chris Jones getting Herbert to feel a little bit of pressure. I, I like that start to the Chiefs if they can get there. It's all about getting them into those kind of third and longs. That that many players to watch from Maddie and I was brought to you just a slight bit by, by tickets for less. It's coming later, though. It's coming later. All right, Maddie, you ready to switch to the offense, buddy? Let's go. All right. Into the side of the ball that needs to be helped. Yeah, I... I don't have any offense takes. No. <laughs> I got so many. No, no. Uh, what you want to talk about, buddy? What jumps to mind first? Oh, man. Well, I think it's only fair that we talk about the Chiefs and their thir- 12 and 13 personnel usage because that's how we started the Chargers. The Chiefs are leading the NFL in early down 13 personnel usage. So why don't we just go back to the tried and true? Um, so the Chiefs are going to come out and they're going to play heavy. I think I'm interested to see what it looks like without Justin Watson because he was part of that package a fair bit. But like the Chiefs are going to do 13 personnel and it's a couple things. They throw the ball pretty well out of it. They also can run out of it. And I'm going to be interested to see how the Los Angeles Chargers match it. Do they match in base? They're still a base 3-14. So like if they're matching in base, you're getting Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa and three defensive linemen on the field at once. You want to throw out of that? Like that sounds pretty appealing, especially, you know, we'll get to later. The middle of that uh, defense is playing really bad versus the pass right now. So you go with 13 personnel and the Chargers going to match you in base. Like you could see one of those games where the Chiefs put up a ridiculous EPA number out of that personnel grouping because the Chargers. Brandon Staley strikes me as a guy that'll probably play nickel though, right? I don't think he's going to give the Chiefs a ton of opportunities to throw the ball versus his base defense, knowing the struggles that are potentially there. And then the question is, can the Chiefs out of this heavy personnel find success in the running game. The Chiefs have been a terrible running team by like estimated points added by EPA this year. I think a lot of that though is third and fourth down stops because like by a de- like by a run by run basis, they seem like they've been pretty good. They've dominated some games at the run game. I think it's been the situational situational run game that's been bad. So like if they get heavy and the Chargers want to go nickel, they should have the advantage to run the ball. They got to be able to run the ball. If they go heavy and the Chargers play base, I expect them to have a big passing game. Yeah, I I would be I'm gonna be very curious there because Brandley, Brendan Staley is rigid. The this man has an idea of how this needs to be played that he learned from Vic Fangio, and he's gonna execute it the same way that Vic Vic Fangio did it five years ago. Problem with that is that most offenses figured out the Vic Fangio defense from five years ago. That's what you're seeing now. This team is full of good players like you just look at it on paper it's it's got a lot of good players and even if the Chiefs are going to go out and try and run out of 13 personnel there's a chance that it gets stopped Kenneth Murray plays against the run pretty well now against pass yikes but against the run not bad Eric Kendricks again against the run not bad you're gonna have guys like Joey Bosa that can set an edge 
Khalil Mack that can set an edge. There are opportunity. Oh, yeah, and Derwin James is also lurking and going to fill a gap. Like, there are opportunities for this defense to fit the run well and defend against it. Problem is, they haven't done it particularly well. They get fooled by a lot of action. There's a lot of things that offenses are able to put on their plate to try and play to the Vic Fangio tendencies that get guys to kick out of the box or get guys to try and motion over and create space. They'll they'll run jet motion and then create some space, run power behind it, and hit a big play. Like they they are allowing a ton of rushing yards that they shouldn't because schematically they are constantly out leveraged right now. And that's that's gotta be frustrating for these players. It's gotta be frustrating for you know Chargers fans watching this time and time again. But yeah, if they do decide that they're going to come out there and they're going to say, okay, we know that Travis Kelsey's out there. We're going to treat this as if it's 11 personnel with Noah Gray out there as well. We're going to go ahead and try and match this. We're going to kick Derwin James down on Travis Kelsey, have him follow him around, which he's done a good job of in the past. That's not a bad strategy at all. Every single one of the other matchups that the Chiefs get there are advantageous (laughs) for them. They just are. It doesn't really, like, we have run down this wide receiving core. I'm not worried about them going up against these corners in the same way that I have been against some of the other ones. Like they've not been good. They've not played particularly sound. I I take that back. They have played sound within this old ski and it's so rigid. It's so locked in. Everybody's got it figured out. I did chartered podcast earlier this week called the lightning round where we talked about it a little bit and he, and you know, the chargers guy that I was talking to was just sitting there going, it's like, it, it, it's tough to watch because everybody's got it figured out. He's not doing anything different. He's just being super rigid all the time, and that's why it's getting beat. So, Maddie, I'm not sure that it matters whether they run <laughs> or pass at this point yeah. because I do think that Andy Reid is going to be able to stay still pretty vanilla and still out-leverage the defense. I mean, and that's that's been kind of the issue that, that Brandon Staley and this Chargers team has gone up against. The problem that I, I see with that and this kind of goes into game predictions, which whew, we're running out of time here. Um, Brian Staley always whips out the the best game plan he has for a year against the Chiefs, yep. right? He, you're not going to get whatever. Every, the Chiefs don't get what he runs against every other team. They don't get the, oh man, you're getting easily beat by play action every single play, or you can't cover four, you know, a fast four to one side. All of a sudden against the Chiefs, Brandon Staley has the perfect solution to everything. And then it falls apart again the very next week, right? So like the Chiefs are going to get the best version of this defense. I just don't know if they're playing good enough to matter. Now, I do think the Chiefs will have to scheme some stuff up. And like that's why I wanted to start with heavy personnel. I'm glad you mentioned the other corners. <clears throat> Asante Samuel, been pretty good this year. Not pretty, locked out, yeah. but pretty good. Michael Davis and Jasir Taylor have combined for <laughs> on 63 targets. They have given up 516 yards, had nine penalties accepted against them another four that have been declined presumably because the ball was caught right that's not great that's your other two the only other two corners that play a lot of snaps have given up 500 yards on 63 targets oh in case you were wondering no the linebackers aren't any better um kenneth murray and eric kendricks have given up 496 yards on 36 targets they can't stop anyone and derwin james i don't know if it's pressure of having to cover for everybody if he's a little deemed up Derwin James hasn't been Derwin James so far this year. He hasn't been everywhere. So like the entire middle of this field is open. It is fair game. It is wide open for the Chiefs to do essentially whatever they want. 
Alohi Gilman's not making up for any mistakes. Derwin James hasn't been doing that this year. Jasir Taylor is their slot corner. Sante Samuel stays outside. Their good corner stays outside. Send him on 60-yard go routes to MVS and McCole Hardman all game long. We're going to play pitch and catch against Jasir Taylor and Michael Davis all game. Like The entire middle of this field should be open for the Chiefs to pick it apart with Travis Kelsey, who the Chargers can't cover outside of Derwin James. And like, I'm not going to say I trust a maybe hobbled Travis Kelsey against Derwin James, but boy, the last time those two matched up, sure went the Chiefs' way in that matchup. Uh, but like Rasheed Rice, even getting McCall Hardman, Kadarius Tony, whoever you want to say, any pick a player over the middle of the field should find space and get open. So like, I'm not saying it's a get-right game for the Chiefs' offense. It's just the Chargers haven't given a lot to really push back with on the defensive side of the ball. And I think what the Chiefs do well, that heavy personnel, the middle of the field passing attack, it should bode well for this matchup if it's the same Chargers team we've seen for the first, you know, five games this year, four games. And that, yeah, no, we'll, we'll get into that in the game preview as well. I have very similar thoughts to you about it. <laughs> Brandon Staley just busts, you know, busts out all the crazy stuff that he's not as rigid about against the Chiefs. But I I look specifically at these safeties, Maddie. Yeah, Derwin James is an all-pro type player. Yeah, he may not be having the best year this year, He'll get up for this game. Like, I'm not worried about him, you know, being ungood. Like, I think that he's going to be very good. He's going to get up for Travis Kelsey. He wants, with all eyes on Travis Kelsey, to be the guy that limits him. Like, that that's what yeah. it is at this point. He, he has in the past. He's always got up for Travis in the past for all those type of games. What's going to stop it now that there's even more of a spotlight? On Travis, like be the guy to shut him down. That's that's a positive thing for him. The rest of them, not good. Aloe Gilman is hurt. He's got a toe injury right now. He it was limited in practice today. Did not practice yesterday. It remains to be seen if he's going to play this week. Has not played the previous couple of weeks here, so he's a little bit out of sync here. The guy that they had filling in for him, Raheem Lane, who actually played pretty well for them, like surprisingly well. He's on IR now. Got hurt. ACL injury in the last game. They've been turning to Dean Marlowe and A.J. Finley to be the guys in the secondary for them. They just added Jalen Hawkins this week. And so not a guy that's probably going to play a ton. I, I'm listing out all these safeties, and you're going, okay, well, you know, so one of those guys fills in. Brendan Staley wants to run three safeties as often as possible. As a matter of fact, he'd prefer to run three safeties. Jalen Hawkins? actually got carted off today too i thought i had seen that right oh, before did he? Oh, like no, first practice now that. i don't know what the injury is i don't know if there's been an update on it like you said maybe he's not gonna play i just you said that and it like i was like wait i think i just read something about him being carted off so like well they're saying like Jalen hawkins coming out he, he was hell of fun player yeah out. yeah yeah I oh him. i'm getting fun yeah anyway they like playing three safeties a lot on this defense. They prefer to do that rather than playing three corners if they can get away with it at all and just have Derwin James playing in that star. You know, moving around all the defense, trying to wreck havoc there. Makes sense for what they do. Problem is, we just got done running down the corners. The safety room is worse. And they are con they're consistently putting three of them out there. So, we just got done talking about at the top of the podcast, Cole Hardman getting vertical, McCole Hardman testing some of those things. You want to talk about right for feast right there. If the Chiefs want to get some of those looks on tape, 
I'm not saying this is just going to be a throw it out there just to make defenses respect it sort of thing. They could actually pay dividends this week. And it may not even just be McCole Hardman. Maybe Sky Moore gets a little bit vertical. Maybe some of this stuff can happen. Maybe Rasheed Rice catches a slant and runs through these guys in the secondary because they're not particularly nimble or agile. It's just one of those that I look at and I say, the middle of the field, to Maddie's point, linebackers, not good in coverage. Safeties, not good in coverage. Everybody outside of Asante Samuel, not good in coverage. The pass is coming this week. It really is, and Andy Reid's going to orchestrate his game plan around it. Just it, That's what's going to happen. We just might see a little more success than we have in the past unless Brandon Staley busts some stuff out that's just not what Patrick Mahomes is expecting. And now, I mean, we got to quickly mention it too, right? Like, um, yes, their coverage hasn't been good. They, the Chargers have the potential to be a good pass rushing team, right? Oh, yes. Like, Khalil Mack, I, he was very useless for the first like two games of the season was a three and then he hits the Raiders and he just unloads on poor Aiden O'Connell holding the ball all game long Joey Bosa is playing limited snaps but still Joey Bosa is playing 20 30 40 snaps in a game you're letting him rush the passer he's still very good they got Tuli Tuyopolotu who's a rookie and he's playing you know well for them again same thing and they're kind of like the Chiefs and none of their guys went super fast but they kind of play well together they're getting guys are getting pressures at different times right so it's a three-man kind of pass rush attack. More, I like Morgan Fox as a rotational defensive lineman too. As yeah, a, too. You know, it's a name that most people probably don't care about, but Morgan Fox, a fun rotational defensive lineman, right? And like, they can find a way to get pressures on teams. So this will be a little bit of a challenge for a Chiefs offensive line, specifically the tackles, who are now going to go up against you know two guys that I think present slightly different pass rushes than they've been seeing, right? Um, Joey Bosa. And Khalil Mack have probably a little bit more juice. Uh, maybe not Mack anymore, but like a little bit more burst than they kind of got to see last week out of the Vikings. They have a little bit more strength than some of the defensive ends they were seeing out of the Jets. Like there's two guys that are relatively complete pass rushers there. Mm-hmm. They, you have to defend a little bit of everything. They might not be on islands necessarily, but I don't think the Chiefs are going to be willing to dedicate full-on help to them unless they start taking over a game. So it's just, it'll be a big challenge, I think, for Donovan Smith for Jawan Taylor to figure out how to do this. Like you mentioned, maybe you want to press the ball vertically. That does require, even with a faster player like Hardman, maybe being back in the mix, it does require a little bit more time. And that's when you got to have those outside guys hold up a little bit so that Mahomes feels comfortable throwing the ball with his feet planted and not on the move. It's like, couldn't just let us get away from this without mentioning the offensive line does have a little bit of a challenge with the pass rush. Even if I don't know if the Chargers pass rush is quite as scary as they thought it was going to be, when they traded for Khalil Mack, like, I don't think it's ever hit that moment between Joey Bosa's injuries and him being the not as good Bosa. And then Khalil Mack's age kind of starting to show up a little bit. Like it's not what they want it to be, but it still can, you know, do well in, in certain spots. I in my opinion of Khalil Mack as a pass rusher is don't let it get late in the rep. Like uh, that's you know, everybody yep. and I don't mean that as a bad thing. Like he is elite with the second and third moves that he has right now. He's not winning as often with the first move anymore. That's, you know, product of being a little bit older. That's that's what it is. That transition though, it, it is just absolutely dominating yeah. everybody that he comes up against. That secondary pass rush move, the tertiary pass rush move everybody drink. That's what is really winning. And that's what he did against the Raiders. Aiden O'Connell sat back there and held the ball forever. And Patrick Mahomes isn't going to do some of the same same things that Aiden O'Connell did. But Khalil Mack was winning very late in the rep. 
because he would get to that second pass rush move and he would discard the tackle and meet at the quarterback there. So don't allow it to get late in the rep. That means that the receivers need to be open. Please be open. Like it's going to be so important that these guys get enough separation because if Patrick Mahomes is standing back there with the ball in his hands at three seconds, Khalil Mack's going to be on top. Okay, Maddie. Players to watch brought to you by Tickets for Less. Maddie, I'm going to let you go first, buddy. Who is your player to watch either side of the ball? And I'll take the other side. But I feel like I did a mini one on defense. So I, I mean, I should go with the offense. Um, Kent's not here. Should I just do my Patrick Levon Mahomes since Kent's not here? Is that the move I should do? Nah. I don't know. Nah, I don't know. Uh, Rasheed Rice. I, th- I mean, I, it's another low-hanging fruit one, right? I think he's like the one player that everybody kind of wants to see what he's up to. But there's a reason I, I have him in this game. I, I mentioned Jasir Taylor as the slot corner for the Chargers. Hasn't been particularly good. I agree. I still think that's true. That's right where Rasheed Rice is doing the most of his work. If the Chargers are in man coverage, I, we've seen Rice bust off a couple slants. We've seen him look a little bit more comfortable on some of these deep in-breaking routes. I think that's a good matchup for him. But also last week, you saw him eat just a little bit into Skymore's reps on the outside. You're now taking Justin Watson out of this. That's another player that plays on the outside. And the guy that kind of stepped into his role last week after Justin Watson went out, just in terms of being on the field, Rasheed Rice. Now, they were winning the game. They were kind of trying to get out of there once that happened. He didn't get a ton of usage out of it, but he was there. A week of practice now, a long week of practice. I wonder what Rasheed Rice's usage is now about to look like. Are we getting more outside reps? Is he eating into Sky Moore's reps a little bit? Is he just taking over some of Justin Watson's deep overs? I bet he can run them faster. I don't know if he's as good at the catch point. I don't know if he'll track the ball as well. We're going to find out, hopefully. But like he'll be faster, I think, getting out of that explosion's real. So just I think it could be a big game for Rasheed Rice. I'm excited for him and his like the success that could come, but also just really to see how they decide to use him in this game because it looks like they're trying to get him out of being a slot only guy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So I'll go with the defense because yeah, of course I will. It's the Drew Tranquil revenge game. He's my oh, player yeah. to watch. Chargers let this man escape. And all he's done since arriving in Kansas City <laughs> is be one of the most important defensive players on this team. I don't know that I feel as good about this team winning those three games without Nick Bolton if Drew Tranquil wasn't here. He was massive in those three games. This team has needed a guy that they could really count on to play multiple linebacker spots. We've heard it out of you know Steve Spagnuolo countless times oh yeah we like that he can play every linebacker spot and he can play it at a high level and yada yada this is the first guy that could so this is a very positive thing I think he's going to be on the field a lot and I think he's going to make impact plays and I think Steve Spagnuolo is going to try and make sure that he makes some I think he's going to get sent on blitzes I think he's going to have an opportunity to be part of the trap coverages to try and get you know try and bait Justin Herbert into some of these tendencies and some of these tendency breakers I'm very excited to watch Drew Tranquil play against his old team and make them feel bad about letting him go to Kansas City. That, players to watch, brought to you by Tickets for Less. Remember, go to ticketsforless.com. Put in the code KCSN and you will get the absolute lowest discount that they could give you there by lowest discount. I mean, the lowest price with a discount. <laughs> I didn't realize how that sounded. It's like, oh, they're going to give you a quarter of a percent. No, you're going to get the best, the best offer. 
the, the lowest price of any of that. Kit can have his job back. I messed up the ad. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, Maddie. We're going to go to game prediction time, buddy. You get to lead us off with this one as well. How do you see this one going? Listen, I said it. I think Brandon Staley brings out some kind of wild game plan that he always does defensively against the Chiefs. Not even wild. They just they play really well. But I also think a lot of the matchups favor the Chiefs. I think especially having no Mike Williams and the Chiefs are getting to focus on just one guy. I feel pretty good about the Chiefs in this one. The reason I do it, I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a slog. But here's the thing. The Chiefs know how to win games. The Chargers only know how to lose them, right? The game might be tight come fourth quarter, but the Chargers are going to charge her. The Chiefs are going to Chiefs. We won't feel great about it, but at the end of the day, the Chiefs will wrap up another divisional win. Give me the Chiefs 28, Chargers 24. You know, it's been a long time since the Chiefs themselves won a game by, you know, more than a touchdown against the Los Angeles Chargers. And it's not going to happen again this week. Uh, divisional games are weird. Brandon Staley's going to go all out. This team is a little bit backed into a corner. Uh, if you look at the middle of the season here, the Chargers have a chance, if they win this game, to have a lot of get-right games after this. There's a couple. It does get salty in a couple of games there. There's a lot of teams that they can feast off of here. This could be the start to the run. Brendan Staley is going to pull out all the stops. I think we're going to see a lot of fourth downs. A lot of fourth down attempts out of Brendan Staley in situations that you wouldn't expect. Hey, Dave Tobe, pay attention. A field goal or a you know fake punt or a fake field goal is coming, buddy. Like, it just is. I think that there's going to be a lot of stuff like that. I think that this game goes into overtime because it's a Chiefs-Chargers game. That's kind of how it is. I think the Chiefs are going to be good enough to get it done. I'm going to say the Chargers even get the ball first, and it's not going to matter because they're going to throw it at Quentin Johnson, and Trent McDuffie is going to body him off the ball because everybody bodies Quentin Johnson oh, off the ball. Right? Bad. He's been so bad and unphysical, but Chiefs are going to get the ball back. It's going to be a Travis Kelsey touchdown as a walk-off again to add to his highlight reel there. So I actually have the Chiefs winning this one 34-28. Woo. Woo. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Nailed the it. KC Laboratory. We thank you all for listening, watching, doing whatever you were doing. Like, share, subscribe. Hit the notifications. That way you know when this is coming down the pipe on any KCSN podcast is coming down the pipe. I'm Craig Stout from Maddie Lane. Be kind to each other, and we will catch you later.